So you'll have an auntie or a nice grandma that will invite kids over for Sabbath lunch because that's what she's always done. But if she understood the formative change it makes in people's lives, mm. it could transform the entire culture of that church. If it was more than just Auntie Susie that did that, but the entire church understood to the degree that we put these commitments into practice, it's going to transform not only the life of young people, mm. but it's going to transform, transform our church culture. I think that that is where I see a tipping point where we begin to be these vibrant communities that, you know, we do have some insights in regards to doctrine and in regards to the Bible in regards to living whole and purposeful lives. But what if we began to in, embody this vibrant community that draws people to Jesus? Welcome back to Advent Next, a theological podcast curated for curious faith discussions. This week, our guest is Dr. A. Allen Martin, the teaching pastor at Younger Generation Church. In our current era of quarantine and isolation, I'm sure the question on many minds is, how will the church create community in the days ahead? One thing I'm sure we've learned by being deprived of it is that community is deeply important. Community is vitally connected to what it means to be human. So this week, we have Dr. Martin, a former professor at Andrews University and research facilitator for one of Barna Group's latest studies called Growing Young Adventists. This study explores what are the key components for growing vibrant communities of faith. Before we get started, we want to thank the Adventist Learning Community for making this program possible. If you're not already following us on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, be sure to find us at the handle at AdventNext. I'm so glad to have you on the podcast today. Um, we're going to be going over some stuff that I think is fascinating. You've done some work with Barna Group, is that mm-hmm. correct? Yes. So tell us a little bit about what Barna Group does and some of the projects that you've been a part of. Yeah, um, Barna Group is a, a pretty world-renowned uh, research firm that specializes in regards to demographics, in regards to Christian communities and so forth. It's been their specialty. Mm. George Barna, as uh, namesake of Barna Group, uh, started it a long time ago. But the most recent president, I'm not sure if it's most recent anymore because I've known David Kinneman for quite a while, okay. has been the president there. And we had the privilege back a couple of years ago to do a research project with them. It was kind of on the heels of the release of You Lost Me by David Kinnaman and the Barna Group. I I read that book. I loved it. If anybody has not read it yet, they should definitely get that. It's it's so insightful. But yeah, continue. Yeah. um, So we were looking at the data and it was, you know, a lot of gravity to what they found in regards to talking with Christian young adults. And Mm. uh, we in the North American Division of Seventh-day Adventists were wondering, well, what about our young adults? If we were to do the same replication of study, would they... Mm feel like the church was doubtless? Would they feel like the church was hypocritical? What mm-hmm. what what do our young adults feel about their faith journey with the Adventist church? Mm. So that's how we connected. I've served as the lead research facilitator so that we could get the, the access to our young adults to participate as Barna Group led the research process. Wow. What does that project actually look like? So tell us a little bit more details because... I don't know if it, I mean, I'm not really familiar with the study um, and I don't know if our listeners, but what did you guys find and how did you guys go about the process of collecting that data? Oh, great question. Um, well, as part of the You Lost Me research data that they revealed in the book, they had talked with a variety of young adults mm-hmm. that were Protestant Christians was their faith back- background. Right. So that's the way that they had uh, gathered their data. 
They did both quantitative and qualitative, which basically means they did the surveys, but they also did actual interviews to get a little more texture to the feelings and the thoughts of young adults. And so we replicated that study with a Adventist young adult population. Mm. We did both the qualitative and the quantitative. So they did the surveys, much like Barna does with the random sampling based on telephone interviews and so forth. Okay. But then also with um, the researchers, uh, Dr. Jenkin, uh, worked with us to have actual uh, interview groups of young adults in, in different phases of their relationship with the church. And so this went on for a period of time to see how our data matched up to the original study that was reported in You Lost Me. Wow. Okay. And how did it match up? As <laughs> dun, dun, dun. I know, right? The, the, the question of the hour. Yeah, well, I think that that was the question that we were asking at the very first, is right. that we saw this, this data, and it was talking about a variety of what the book calls grievances hmm. that young adults had in regards to their relationship with the church. Okay. And so the question that came up in our minds, well, how do our young adults feel about these particular grievances? I, I would recommend anyone that would uh, be interested to definitely take a look at taking the online course okay. at nextsteps.youngadultlife.com. Mm. That will connect you to the course that we've done with Adventist Learning Community mm. to find out a little bit more about those results. Yeah. But some of those grievances or areas where there was tension between young adults and the church included being hypocritical being anti-science, a variety of different aspects to which young adults says, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of on the fence or I'm, I'm headed out of Vegas here in regards to my relationship with the church because um, we're just not connecting. We're not on the same page. And so in regards to these grievances, I think there's a total of five grievances that are listed in the Mm -hmm. original work. And then certainly on the, um, on the Adventist learning community course, on all of them, which I thought was rather elegant and very kind of the Barna Group to state it this way. But they basically said, in regards to the grievances that are listed in You Lost Me, the Adventist young adults have these grievances to a greater extent, Hmm. which is a nice euphemism to say, basically, in regards to the national norms, in regards to feeling like the church was hypocritical or feeling like the church was anti-science or feeling a variety of negative uh, sentiments towards the church, Adventist young adults were feeling that to a greater degree, meaning that we had a higher percentage of those that were interviewed and surveyed that indicated that that was a good indices in regards to how their relationship with the church had turned sour. Wow, that's so interesting. Right now I'm taking this philosophy class on Christian ethics, Mm -hmm. and, and I'm thinking about, I wonder if a part of that grievances is because, you know, we haven't... I'm sure there's a, a ton of reasons, but something that comes to mind is like we're, we have a holistic message of sure. health, of spirituality, of what it means to live life, but it hasn't been packaged in a way mm-hmm. that feels like we're helping you to live a flourishing life. It feels like we're telling you the do's and the don'ts. And I think that people are finding the same message that people find in the Adventist church about health, about taking care of yourself, mm-hmm. about finding purpose and meaning. So it's not like we are are that off track about providing a certain kind of, you know, I don't want to say service, but saying like, hey, we can, we're offering you life. Mm-hmm. And what does it mean to live really life abundantly? And I don't know if the way that we come off doing that is, is the way that uh, we would maybe intend to. The um, experiences that um, are disenchanting young adults and next generations with our church mm. are also disenchanting 
young adults with their own faith backgrounds, regardless of whether it's Christian or... In fact, there was a recent NPR feature in regards to the rising number of nuns. And oh, nuns is not N N U N S. It's not the nuns with the, you know, the black robes and so forth. It's the nuns, N-O-N-E-S. Gotcha. So when you're filling out your census uh, form and you're trying to put down religious affiliation, more young adults are basically not filling out any type of religious affiliation. Wow. So I do think that the part of the real challenge for us in this day and age is not only for those that are versed in Adventism or Christianity, but in religion in general. I think there's a disenchantment or at least a, a skepticism in the heart of next generations to which we have to be really mindful of. Mm. If we're going to be the type of church that we've been called to be, um, we have to be sensitive to what the times are telling young adults and how they're responding to our previous messages. Mm. So that packaging that you're talking about, I think is super important. Yeah. And, um, and it gives us a opportunity to talk about things that will not only benefit you in the hereafter, but what's going to benefit me right now? Yeah. What's going to help my relationships right now? What's yeah. going to help me see the world that is so chaotic and so filled with things that can depress and distract me? Right. What's going to What's going to change my demeanor about this and give me a sense of hope? Right. I want to talk a little bit about you know this this magazine, sure, <laughs> uh, sure. The, the initiatives that you're involved in right now, mm -hmm. because you're trying to move the focus a little bit, right, from kind of the things that, the failings of the church and yeah. kind of shift that focus. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, no, um, we're just really thrilled uh, in a, in a, kind of a sequel to our relationship with Barna Group. Uh, we uh, began to talk a little bit with uh, Fuller Youth Institute, who mm -hmm. recently, a couple years back, released a book called Growing Young. Now, the premise of the book, Growing Young, is that they were looking at, as opposed to what we've typically looked at in academic circles and research circles as, okay, what's the problems of the church and why are people leaving the church, and which is a perfectly legitimate question. Um, I love what um, uh, Fuller Youth Institute did with the, what they call exemplar research, which is basically turning just a little bit of the pivot and as opposed to asking the negative question as to, okay, what were the problems that caused you to leave the church? They basically did research and sought out churches that were actually drawing young people and young families into the very core of church life. They were looking for best practices. They were looking at those keys, those strategies that could be distilled from successful, vibrant churches hmm. and potentially help turn the corner so that churches, as opposed to growing old and dying off, hmm. can begin to grow young and grow together. Wow. And so... Uh, that's the initiative that we're in the midst of right now, Growing Young Adventists. Uh, you can look at growingyoungadventists.com and, and kind of see how this learning journey is kind of um, morphing for us as an Adventist de denomination. So what are some of those key components that a church has to adopt to keep, keep people engaged and keep it young as you're talking about? Okay, so this is going to be a no-brainer. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be gravely disappointed that this is not some type of revolutionary rock, Give us the secret, rocket science. Right, right. <laughs> but I think that it helps us to be intuitive too. Hmm. I think that sometimes uh, churches get caught up in the myths of what will draw young people to the church. Oh, I have to have a spectacular program or man, my, uh, my church leaders have to wear skinny jeans and yeah. have a certain type of cool look to them. Yeah. Uh, so those myths were dispelled by the research. So in, um, in the book, and you'll certainly see it at growingyoungadvance.com, mm. you'll see how there are myths that have kind of come into the um, youth ministry or youth and young adult ministry folklore. Mm. So here's the, 
highly disappointing findings. <laughs> okay. okay. So uh, one of them, which I'm, I'm particularly fond of, is if you fuel a warm community, hmm. young people will want to come to your church. Interesting. Wow. Oh, you're just jumping up and down now. Revolutionary. Like, <laughs> it yeah. works for all people, right? It does. But it does. here's the part that I think is such a great key, especially in a day and age where our phone is almost a barrier mm. for relationships. Yes. Don't be misled by that young person that's keyed into their electronic device. It's not saying that they don't want to connect build a relationship with you, yeah. with you or connect with you or or interact with you. It's just just the nature of our society today. Mm. And if anything, that electronic device is spurring more loneliness for that young person, mm. as we're seeing in the most recent research in regards to contemporary culture. Wow. So as opposed to being put off by that device or feeling estranged for young people, know that the most recent research shares that as opposed to the generation gap, which we've heard with you know baby boomers and, right. and um, Gen Xers, uh, these generations, the millennials and the Gen Zs, desperately want relationships with older generations. Yeah. Um, I think that probably if you speak to most anyone that's in the church, when they were growing up, they can point to one or two adults, yeah. a mentor, a, a teacher, a, a family member that was older than them. And, mm. and that individual's interest in them, just saying hello, um, creating a space to say, hey, you know, we're, we're really glad you're here, mm. drew them into the church. I know that was my experience. And so, dun, 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 warm yeah. community. Warm community. This was what was found to be one of those characteristics or what they call commitments that a church makes to not only be warm to the people we know and our peer group and the yeah. people we usually see, but when you see a young person coming in, acknowledging them and giving them a sense that, hey, we're really glad that you're with us, fostering that warm community yeah. is the new cool. Yeah, and even inviting them to your homes, oh, right? Yeah. Because I can think, especially when you're thinking, you know, young adults, maybe they're just starting college, they're away from home, you mm -hmm. know, or, or they're trying to find out who they are in, in themselves. They're looking for surrogate parents in a yeah. lot of ways. They're looking yeah. for people who can lead them and guide them. And so as much as somebody might think like, oh, I'm not cool enough to invite them over, yeah. but they're really looking for that sense of home. Yeah, I have yet to find a young person that turns down food. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, when when you did your your undergraduate studies, were you close to home when you did your undergraduate studies? Um, I was in. I was about six hours away. Okay, so you're six hours away from home. You're in undergraduate studies, and we have community colleges, universities, and colleges in almost every metropolitan area around the the whole country, right? Mm -hmm. So you're in this church that is not your home church because your home church was six hours away. Yeah. Um, if we're not careful in our local church, you could have very easily been treated as a visitor or a newcomer right. over that entire four-year period. Mm. But if churches are a little bit more intentional about fueling a warm community, it affords them to make that invitation yeah. and to bridge and find out where you're from and to get to know you a little bit better. And I love that you mentioned just inviting them to your home for a meal. Yeah, I think that that's something that uh, it, it is intuitive, but right. it takes a bit of courage and intentionality for that local church to step across the aisle a bit. So is, is a warm community, is that like just the key, the one, or are there other things that oh, yeah. someone should, should consider? Yeah, another favorite of mine is unlock keychain leadership. Mm. The idea here, which you and I know it, and we've seen it in the biblical record in regards to mentorship and apprenticeship. In mm. fact, Jesus' disciples were following this young rabbi around to yeah. find out about this new kingdom. And that form of relationship building and mentoring afforded them the leadership that would allow the church to literally explode 
wow. in regards to the the fuel and the fire that lives on to this day. Yeah. So this is an idea that is not new. Right. <laughs> Business world does apprenticeships and externships and internships and pages. Yeah. We have this all throughout a variety of community centers. We know in the secular literature that mentorship works in regards to making a, a formative difference in young lives. It does. I And I am just thinking, I remember when I was in a place and I was in college, I remember crying out to God and said, send me somebody that I can follow who yeah. is following you. Because yeah. I didn't have it in my community. And I didn't know like that, that invitation wasn't open. But I crave that more than anything. Mm-hmm. To be like, I need to know how to get to you. Yeah. And, and send me somebody who's, who's, who's doing that. And so I think mentorship, that's so important, so important. Yeah, so the idea in regards to that mentorship and those building of relationships between the generations, when that's fostered in regards to leadership opportunities in the church, it allows for that young person to develop what we call IBP, Hmm. identity, belonging, and purpose. Yes. And you and I know, and you can watch any rom-com or or teen movie, <laughs> the idea of finding out who you are mm. is a major search during this form, the formative years of your youth or young adult years, right? Adolescence, emerging adults. This is a, a major issue to 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 know where you belong. Mm. Who who do you belong to? Where do I fit? Yeah, that's super important. And the part that the church can certainly play a dramatic part in is, you know, what's my purpose? Yeah. What on the what? Why am I here on this earth? These are questions that are uh, facilitated through this idea of, hey, come along here. I'm going to teach you what I know about leadership. Mm-hmm. And the beauty about that mentorship, yeah. what I love about that, Kendra, is that reverse mentorship also happens. Mm-hmm. In other words, older generations, when they engage young people in fostering their leadership and being mentors to them, um, older adults learn tremendous things from younger generations yeah that's incredible (laughs) i was just talking with someone um recently over in the airport and and they were trying to figure out their phone i said i'll just bring it home and my grandchild will will tell me how to make this happen right so there's ways that we can all benefit from one another so the other ones are prioritizing youth and young families everywhere empathizing with today's youth being best neighbors Mm. again um, I think that these are intuitive elements. Yeah. Now, here's one that's of particular interest to me, and I'm, I'm certainly uh, eager for us to explore it a little bit further, but one of the findings as a key characteristic uh, for these vibrant churches that they were studying yeah. was the, this idea of, of a commitment called take Jesus' message seriously. Hmm. Okay, explore that. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's, uh, so in, in all candor, right. if you're a part of a faith community, it could be about your church mm. and proselytizing people to your congregation or to your denomination. Right. Um, oftentimes we're trying to convert people to religion mm. or we're trying to persuade them in regards to a type of lifestyle. Right. But if we're not doing something in regards to helping individuals center in on the person of Jesus, mm-hmm. a loving relationship with him, then we are missing the point. Wow. So any endeavor that we have just simply for methodology mm. without the reality of a relationship with the Messiah, the research is showing what we've affirmed in the Bible all along, that centering it in on Jesus and taking what he says seriously in every aspect of our life is so important. And I think it, it really kind of even helps people develop a philosophy of life. Again, going back to my philosophy class, like yeah. that, that a part of the ancient schools that they would develop a philosophy of how to live 
and it would tell you like what are what are what are things that are worth pursuing what are things that have value and in and in churches sometimes we get stuck in the do's and the don'ts but they don't really tell you well what does it mean to look to follow Jesus in practical life every day what does that mean as far as my vocation what does that mm-hmm. mean as far as my social relationships what does that mean as far as my diet like how do I live the ultimate fulfilled life and I think you know what you're talking about take Jesus seriously it's helping to kind of provide that uh, that banner to move that in that direction. You know, as you were saying that, I, I love what you're saying because it reminded me of Dr. Dick Tibbetts, one of my uh, colleagues and someone that I was involved with church planting with. Mm. He used to tell this story. He said, you know, uh, Harley-Davidson motorcycle is a tremendous vehicle to which you can feel a great amount of freedom. Mm. And uh, you can just roll that thing out if the speed limit allows or if you want to just fudge that a little bit. You can take and you can basically just barrel down and enjoy just the freedom of riding that vehicle. Mm -hmm. But if ever you decide to take that Harley-Davidson motorcycle to the opposite side of the road, Mm -hmm. your freedom will be (laughs) terminated pretty quickly. Or decide to ride that Harley-Davidson like a motocross bike across mountains or on trails, it it impedes your freedom. Mm -hmm. And so I think there is this kind of weird tension between the do's and the don'ts, yeah. and we focus in on the things that we don't. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. Right. I think that there is a need for every highway to have certain lines, right. so you can feel the fullness of and the fullness of exploring freedom. Mm-hmm. And as in uh, Gospel of John talks about in John ten ten, live life to the full. Right. So we can enjoy life to the very full, but just know full well that if you go on the opposite side of the road that if a semi is coming down the road, your freedom is yeah. going to end pretty quickly. Yeah. So I, th- I think that, that that nature of understanding how to navigate life well yeah. is something that's missing not only in the lives of young people, but it's also li- missing in all of our lives as we're trying to seek direction and purpose. Perfect. And so that's part where I think a church community can be a tremendous help if we can just help people bridge over and yeah. understand that we're better together. Wow. Is there anything like you'd like to leave our audience today about uh, the younger generation and, and the growing young uh, initiatives? Well, I would say this is that uh, many people don't know about the Growing Young Adventist Initiative, mm. but they're already doing these things. Gotcha. But they just don't know why they're doing it. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So you'll have an auntie or a nice grandma that will invite kids over for Sabbath lunch because that's what she's always done. But if she understood the formative change it makes in people's lives... Mm it could transform the entire culture of that church. If it was more than just Auntie Susie that did that, but the entire church understood to the degree that we put these commitments into practice is going to transform not only the life of young people, Mm. but it's going to transform transform our church culture. I think that that is where I see a tipping point for the Adventist faith, Mm. where we begin to be these vibrant communities that you know, we do have some insights in regards to doctrine, in regards to the Bible, in regards yeah. to living whole and purposeful lives. But what if we began to in, embody um, this vibrant community that draws people to Jesus? Yeah. Um, that's what the scripture says. Yeah. The scripture says that uh, people were drawn into the faith, not because they knew all the doctrines, right? but they saw people treating each other pretty well. Yeah. And they decided to join this uh, motley crew yeah. of Jesus believers on a path to see him very soon face to face. 
So hopefully this program has provided some food for thought about how to be intentional in the creation of community, as well as some creative ways to draw people in through warmth and care. Recommended reading for today include You Lost Me by David Kinneman, as well as the study Growing Young Adventist, available at growingyoungadventist.com. You can also take Dr. A. Allen Martin's course for free on the Adventist Learning Community website at nextsteps.youngadultlife.com. We want to thank the Adventist Learning Community for making this program possible, as well as our guest, Dr. A. Allen Martin. If you're not already following us on Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, be sure to do so at the handle at AdventNext. Thanks so much for tuning in and see you next week.